Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. This podcast is very proudly sponsored by Crush Organics CBD Oil. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see I've got the uh, the platinum oil in my hand right now. I use it every night. It's very nice. Uh, it helps me sleep a lot. I was never a good sleeper. This has changed that dramatically. Uh, if you struggle with anxiety or if you just want to chill out, get some CBD oil. They've also got a huge range of products. The world would be a much better place, okay? Every, you know what? There won't be a supply chain shortage if everyone just had a bit of C- Actually, there might be. But you know They're what? People wouldn't, wouldn't care because everyone would be so relaxed. So uh, crushorganics.com with a K. Use the code NEIL for 40% off. You can support the podcast that way. Uh, I also have a show on sale in Melbourne. I'm finally going to Melbourne. Um, it's the first domestic show I've done since March. I think I did a Gold Coast show. So uh, neilconhacker.com slash tickets for that one or the Comics Lounge website, December 5th. I'm pretty sure Jordan has a few shows in uh, Melbourne, I think a couple of days after. So mm-hmm. you can catch both of us uh, in successive nights maybe. That would be fun. Yeah, you could do that. Wicked's back, I think, in Melbourne. Why are you spruiking <laughs> other things? <laughs> no, don't go see Wicked. See us. What was that? Peter Hellier's big boy pants. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what, I mean, what signs I've seen in Melbourne. Uh, your, your fucked version of Luna Park. Yeah, is, you know uh, what, actually? You don't have that much better stuff than we do. Just come see us. Uh, okay, you have a few more musicals going, but here's my counter argument to that: musicals suck. So why why would you look? I, Book, I of seriously... Mo- Book of Mormon was very funny. I loved that one. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, I'm not impartial to Jesus Christ Superstar either. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on the entire genre. There might be some exceptions to the rule. I remember seeing The Lion King when I was a kid. That was fun. That's just because I loved The Lion King. I think I saw I saw Chicago in Broadway. On Broadway, whatever it is, mm. it was great. But I think that was just because I was wrapped up being in New York on Broadway. I think that's, I reckon that's a big thing. It's like being in the Empire State Building. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's a skyline view. Yeah, New York that's is great fair. for a week, and then you get mugged, and you realize it's a it's a shithole. <laughs> unless you live in a penthouse, unless you basically are one of the Rockefellers. Well, where did you stay? I stayed in a hostel just before Harlem, and one night I caught the wrong subway train, ended up in Harlem, and it was what you'd expect. I was an 18-year-old in in Harlem at 2 a.m., pretty gangster. (sighs) Fuck. I survived. I got offered weed twice as I was walking up the stairs from the subway station. No. And then, uh, I was, uh, as everyone knows, I'm a huge fan of Law & Order SVU, and I was just panicking mm. the whole the whole time. But then I thought, ah, I'm not an attractive young woman, so I'm probably safe. <laughs> and I look kind of Latino, so I don't look too out of place. <laughs> Whereas if you were there... There are a lot of Latinos there. In Harlem, yeah, yeah. I thought it was all blacks. Now I think it's pretty gentrified. I think it's uh, a bit of everything. So, let's see, this is the whole thing. What isn't gentrified anymore? Probably Jersey is even. Oh, Queens? Why well, is Queens still a shithole, is it? I don't know. Um, Jamaica, Queen. I don't know. That's All I know is 50 cents from there. Um, mm-hmm. 
Brooklyn's different, definitely gentrified. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't tell you the the gentrification of New York City. No. Well, it's very surprising you don't have that very specific no, I'm information. So, I'm sorry that I I, <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have that for you. If anyone knows about which areas... Is Manhattan of, gentrified? They just yeah, know that. Yeah, which specific areas of New York City... I've been gentrified. I know that. Uh, I was I was somewhat uh, following the mayoral race for New York City earlier this year. Andrew, Did that happen? Yeah, Andrew Yang was uh, the favorite, but then he came third. And some uh, uh, a black guy that's very tough on crime won. Oh yeah. So he he ticks, he's like oh, uh, you know, white liberals, and I I use the term liberal in the American context. Uh, probably didn't feel too bad voting for a person of color, but they could also vote for someone who's tough on crime. So he uh, he ticked all their boxes. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that's my uh, grand political analysis. I don't know if that's the truth, but it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. But also, like, I th- you'd have to... Is Is there anything else that you should run on if you're running for mayor of New York? Shouldn't it just be, I'm getting rid of all the bums, I'm kicking them out to New York State, and I'm going to reduce muggings by 3%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's probably like 6 million less muggings a year. It's a lot of muggings. Well, I don't know. It's just like... You can you can tell it's directly proportional to how many Law & Order spinoffs there are. Yeah, it's, and aren't they all in New York? I th- was there Law and Order LA or something? Are. I think there was. And I never watched that one. I, I just remember watching SVU and, and Criminal Intent. And then the original Law and Order. Uh, yeah. It was okay. It doesn't have iced tea in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's lacking a bit of iced tea. It's lacking a bit of iced tea. The guy who was in the X-Files, actually. I think he was in the X-Files. The Agent Mulder. The one with the... Funny glasses. Well, I never actually watched the X Files. I uh, wouldn't be against doing it though, except for I'm always scared that you're going to go back and look at it, and the aliens are just going to be wheeled on by a trolley, and they'll have little animatronic. It was just so long ago. I just think that, like, uh, you know, it'd be like watching King Kong in the 30s. Time has moved on. It's not, yeah, it's yeah, not, fair. the graphics suck. I can't yeah, go into it. Yeah, not the same, hey. Yeah. Not the same. It's, you have that aversion, don't you? Every time you, even if someone says, like with Citizen Kane, for instance, uh-huh. how they say, this is the best movie ever made. And then you see that it's in black and white and you think, you better be the fucking best movie ever made. And luckily for it, it is the best movie ever made. Uh-huh. But it's such a hurdle. What, it's so, I don't know, just just being alive in our era where we have access to colour. Very, It's not even a question that this was going to be filmed in black and white. We're not art students. That's a good idea, though. Black and white podcast. Who does a black and white? Oh, Jocko does a, Jocko Willink does a black and white podcast, doesn't he? Well, why does that suit his aesthetic? It just opens with a very serious look on his face and starts reading literature, but then goes into a... <laughs> Uh, Navy SEAL training. It's a winning formula. Apparently. Yeah. I've, uh, have, have you gotten into the teachings of Jocko? Because every time I ever heard it, it was just like, you know what? I used to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Actually, I still do. 
You got anything else? You killed a gay, weren't you? <laughs> you <laughs> know, you've just summed him up, man. That's, I don't think there's much more to it. So is that, I don't is know. That it? I, I don't. Yeah, I think so. I don't know what else there is. I think he was. I, I saw a, a podcast highlight a couple of weeks ago where he's talking about someone asked a question about uh, being uh, not learning, quote unquote, man skills in their uh, teenage years, and so he was asking, "How do I better develop my man skills?" And Jocko was like, "Well, you gotta just rewire your house, even if it takes you five weeks. You gotta do it." Just figure it out, man. It's not bad advice. <laughs> yeah, but no one's this whole thing was like, an electrician could do it in five hours, but you've got to figure it out yourself. Look, you're right. It's not bad advice, except for the fact that there's no way you're going to execute that. So I guess by technical definition, it is bad advice. It's something, sure. you know what? It is something you would be like, nice, and never act on, you know? Yeah, I think I like the idea of it, but five days is a lot. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd go one or two days trying to rewire my... I wouldn't have a clue how to rewire anything. No. I don't know much about... Uh, I don't have many man skills. I can change a tire and that's it. Even then, I don't really know where to put the jack. I just kind of guess. Probably fucked up the underside of my car. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have. Yeah. And, you know, there'd be a few marks of shame underneath all of ours. What about gardening? It's not a man skill. Is that a... No, that's a nana skill. That's an skill. old woman skill. That's yeah, not that even is. a carrot. Like, it's, it's the generation older than a Karen. <laughs> I know. It's Karen's mother's skill. It's past menopause and now they're just happy. Yeah. That, that's definitely not a man skill. No. What else is a man... What's a man skill? You, just building shit, basically. Can you Building, build shit? Fixing. Can you fix shit? No. Yeah. Oh. Actually, I remember like for a week, it was really weird. My dad just said, that shit, boy, you're coming. That. Something just kicked in. He just got yeah. pissed off at me playing Age of Empires. And said, you, get up. You're coming to work with me, boy. He just forced me to it's come like to his construction site for a week. Damn, that's actually... if. If I were like playing a character of, of a man teaching his son man skills, that's exactly <laughs> what I'd say. All right, come with me, boy. I'll teach you how to be a man. Boy has to be well, in there, doesn't he? What have you learned? What did you learn on the job side? I'll tell you what I learned. Yeah. Some dodgy wog came up to me and was just like, Oi, bro, do you want a snake? Like a, like a red belly black snake or something? And I was like, uh, Yeah. And then my dad was just like, Get away from me, Mike. Come over here. I'm going to teach you how to install a door. Was, was he like, trying but I want to... the snake. Bro, was he trying to pick you up? What? Brother, do you want to see my snake? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> That's a... I hope not. Maybe I've just got a dirty mind, but that doesn't sound... Uh, was it a joke or what? No, he was... No, from, from my interpretation, and I hope it wasn't, because that really put a shade of darkness in an already crap childhood memory, but... <laughs> I think he was actually talking about a snake. I think, from memory, okay. it seemed like he was talking about a poisonous snake yeah. that he was selling to me that he obviously... I, I think from memory, he caught it for fun. That's what As he do. does with his life. As you do. That's his weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, all right. 
You want to learn man skills, that's a man Ca- skill. Yeah, catching, catching a venomous a snake. Sure. Yeah, I definitely can't do that. <laughs> Not intentionally. Damn, I'm really void of man skills. Yeah, but like it's a high bar, isn't it? It's just you're not Steve Irwin. Yeah. There's got to be some shades below that. Like Carpenter's probably here. Yeah. There'd have to be like, like SAS officer, maybe scraping somewhere near. But no, I'm sorry, wrestling a crocodile. There's because that's just caveman you stuff. Really, it's another level. Yeah, you can't you can't top that. That's okay. What about this? What about this? Yeah, prisoner. But is that a man skill or is that a man experience? That's just a t- that's just a hardening experience. You haven't. What have you learnt there? <laughs> oh, heaps of shit. How, How to an... jack someone with a toothbrush? Sure. When um, not to drop the soap? When not to drop the soap? There's a, that's that's such a good man skill. Right. So maybe uh, you learn a bit of street smarts. I think you'd learn a little bit more. That's what they were saying. Every time you ever watch any prisoner ever, there was like, it was a university for criminals. You go out and then you just figure out how to not get caught again. And then they get caught again. But (laughs) (laughs) not a very good university there. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Callahan. It's what happens when you privatize the universities, right? Yeah, private prison. See, it's all the liberals' fault that (laughs) these criminals are getting caught again, isn't it? Is that your next video? (laughs) (laughs) This education system needs severe improvements. We're falling lower on the OECDC than fucking Luxembourg. (laughs) It's a friendly Geordie's video. It is. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, today we are going to answer a listener question, a listener topic, I should say. So if you've got a, a, a shout out, a question or a topic you'd like to send us, go to neilcolhacker.com slash podcast and all the money from the subscriptions go straight to charity. So this one is from Dougie and hello, Neil and Jordan. And he's uh, spelt our names wrong. Legend. Yeah. Okay. Me. How was Neil it? is uh, K N E E L. I didn't know you could spell it that way. Ah, uh, Neil down. Hey. There, there were plenty of blowjob jokes uh, leveled at me throughout high school. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you are Jordan. J O O R D I N. This guy's taking the piss, right? I um, yeah. Okay, well, now that I'm up to speed. Did you think he actually (laughs) spelled our names? (laughs) Look, I'll be forgiving if a lot of people spell my name N-E-I-L, and it's somewhat forgivable. That's forgivable. Except when they say, I'm I'm your biggest fan, I love you, Neil. Yep, that's unforgivable. I'm pretty sure he's, yes. All right, well, just because for a second I was just, I I thought the K-N-L, I was like, yeah, okay, this is it. But the second one, I was just starting to think, is this a special kid, you know? But <laughs> we like, might glad... be. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, whatever. Hey, look at that. He's from <laughs> Melbourne. Come to our shows. All right. Uh, two questions here, boys, because you're double good. I, <laughs> I do indeed want my name read out. Enough of this anonymous bullshit. <laughs> now I want to exclude everyone else from notoriety. All right, once his full name, my name is Dougie Boxel. So there you go. He got his full name out there. Good on you. Gay boxel. Unlike the rest of you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan, I cannot thank you enough for what you've done for me, particularly through your self-help channel and, of course, everything else you do. You inspire me to go above and beyond in my life. 
would have been nice if I got that editor gig on your other podcast. What? I didn't tip enough CC and dries on my head. Anywho, how can I get my parents to switch from Triple M and the Herald Sun to Michael West and Independent Australia? I think this would do wonders for them as human beings. Spanner in the works, being they rarely surf the net and even rarelier watch the U tubbies. <laughs> what I do now. <laughs> This guy's funny. I like it. Uh, Neil, I'll be up front. You haven't touched my life the same way Jordan has. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Sorry, mate. Uh, I do like your name, though. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. <laughs> this, is <a> good, <laughs> this is a good one. Okay. Uh, what do you think about idolizing sports stars? <laughs> Okay, what do you think about <laughs> idolizing sports stars? As an intellectual bogan, I have a unique I have a unique perspective on this. Uh, on one hand, I grew up idolizing Matthew Lloyd, Essendon Bombers footy champion for the ignorant swine out there, and Adam Gilchrist. I don't know uh, I don't know many AFL players, so yeah, I'm an ignorant swine. But I, of course, I know Gilly. Great wicketkeeper batsman. We haven't had anyone like Gilchrist. No one's come close. Tim Payne. That guy. How'd that guy become captain? See, this is the whole thing. I was just saying this. I don't know anything about sport. Nothing. Hmm. I am the ignorant swine. Do you know Adam Gilchrist? You'd know Adam Gilchrist. I know the name, but there, there was a period where even ignorant people like myself that actively tried to not pay attention to it would know... I think the entire cricket team. Yep. And now that these names that you're throwing out at me, Adam it's just Gil- okay. No, well, Adam Gilchrist. I know. I know Adam. No, Gilchrist, the other guy was the other an guy. AFL, he's an AFL football. Oh, okay. Well, said, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you play actually, on. I'm pretty. I heard uh, Shane Warne initially wanted to make the AFL, and he played VFL, which is the, the tier below Shit, AFL, yeah. and he couldn't get in. He's got an AFL mentality. The way he parties, mm. it's, it's a foot. He's a, mm. he's a footy player at heart. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. On the other hand, presumably the left one. <laughs> Let me make this clear. I by no means aim to discriminate upon hand preferences. I've just observed the likelihood that Ned Flanders doesn't listen to this podcast. I've been involved with several <laughs> sports clubs, and the general collective mentality, behaviour, and role modelling fits the stereotype lockstep and key unintelligible meatheads bound by groupthink lacking the cognition that separated homo sapiens from homo erectus i always fight against i always say no you have to be smart to play sport but here he is saying that uh, nope the stereotype is true (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe they're doing it on purpose uh okay uh i know doug tell us what you really think i don't often word my mints (laughs) Uh, additionally, we constantly see high-profile sports stars commit heinous acts of drink driving, racial abuse, drug taking, listening to Fleetwood Mac, etc. <laughs> Given the on-field and off-field atrocities, uh, juxtaposed with providing inspiration, exemplifying work ethic, and simply uh, providing a source of enjoyment, do you think sports stars should be idolized? That's a big question. And finally, he's got another one. Can you guys please talk about TISM? No, not the Spectrum thing. I mean the band. This is Serious Mum. 
Jordan, I expect you to do your homework on them and release a 37-minute feature-length premiere on the band's rise to stardom. <laughs> the very rise that was cut short early on. <laughs> they are the 1980s friendly Geordies. Except replace internet memes with balaclavas. Also, any fucking danger of a 7XL bras shirt. Seriously, love your work, guys. You do a superlative do- job. There's another word for you, Neil. It means pretty good. <laughs> oh, he knows me. All right. Give my... <laughs> Give my regards to the Inferno. What is that a is that a reference to? Do you want to give my regards to the Inferno? I don't know what that means. Oh, Tarantulas Beast Wars. Don't know. You don't know. Okay. I don't oh, know. oh, oh! I don't know what the Inferno thing is. The only thing is I know is Dante's Inferno and vaguely. Okay. But the Tarantulas from Beast Wars. That is a deep cut. Yeah. Did you, do you remember that? No. It was sick. It was a show like Transformers, except instead of transforming from a truck, which, let's be honest, is pretty lame, mm. to a robot, they would transform from, say, a rat, which would be about the same size as a T-Rex, mm-hmm. and they would be versing each other. And the bad guys had all of these really scary animals, like a wasp, a scorpion... A Tyrannosaurus Rex. While the good guys, as I just mentioned, Rat. I, I suppose there was a cheetah there. That's good for them. Uh, a gorilla's okay. I don't know how that's going to fare against a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The point is, the good guys were seriously outgunned in that. But it was like Pokemon and the bad guys <laughs> blasted off again well, that at is the, the end of every episode. Well, that is the first I've ever heard of that. Sounds cool. Beast Wars. You, I... This is pathetic because it's aimed at five-year-olds, but I think it could hold up. Yeah? I think I could go back and watch that and still be entertained because I remember he's probably using it because we once edited that in and it was just pathetic because the rat had the most annoying annoying voice and there was just this thing of him just being like, Rattus Maximus, which is what they said every time they went into Robot 4. (laughs) Well, uh... I'll, I'll I'll give it a watch, but I've never, never never heard of that one. So, all right, we've got three questions here. So, first, he wants you to tell him how he can get his parents to stop to switch from Triple M and the Herald Sun to Michael West and Independent Australia. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Well, there we go. Topic done. What's the next? That's question? all you get. <laughs> That's all you get because the way that they got you in, obviously. And this is evident from the next two-thirds of your letter, which is that the way that they get all the suckers in is that it is a very obvious format. It's just sport, 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 Roger Dad, sport, 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 sport. <laughs> That's the telegraph. They're still saying Roger Dad in 2021. Absolutely. Well, because now he's their big threat. Just him tweeting, being like, what the fuck? They're saying that they're pro getting to neutral carbon by 2050. Where were they 15 years ago? Fuck. And that is pathetically a man's Twitter account. The biggest threat to a media empire that has not been challenged in the last 50 years. And they're freaking out about it. Because this is what I hear from internal sources within the Telegraph. They have a strategy board 
figuring out how to counter Kevin Rudd's Twitter account. What I'm saying. Oh wait, they have a stra- really. They have strategists thinking about this the, stuff. They they run it through who's they the Daily Telegraph or uh, News Corp. <laughs> That's pretty baller. Yeah. Yes, it is. Hasn't there been parliamentary meetings to try and figure out what to do with you? It has well, I th- apparently they still happen. <laughs> but like, what? <laughs> I've got so much that. brain power and so few fuck? things yeah. to do with it. The fact that they need a meeting—it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty impressive. Um, good job. It is impressive, but it's also this thing of you realize. How much money goes to these people yeah. and what they do all day. There's just a you bunch of what? people twiddling their thumbs. And if anything, that just plays into the talkback narrative. Like our taxpayer dollars yeah. are going towards a bunch of bureaucrats <laughs> sitting together, unable to figure out what to do with this fucking YouTuber. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they're not wrong. I don't want my taxes going to that. What the hell? <laughs> why can't they privatise that? <laughs> like, why do they have to... Keep that within the government. Um, so you don't think there's any... Surely there's a... The thing is, if they love sport, they're not going to get that from Michael West and Independent Australia. No, I actually read those said, guys. And I like them. I liked them a lot. Who? Those... those I really like Independent Australia. Mm. Um, I think I've said... I, I'll, uh, I'll open them up on one tab and then I'll open the spectator on another tab mm. and just try and figure out who's... Talking shit. But what does the spectator talk about? Isn't it just every week, oh my God, someone got cancelled. Fuck, no, this person yeah, also it, got okay. cancelled. Okay, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. But then it's just, uh, you know, why do we need to get to net zero? Because these are the reasons why not. And Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they have a different narrative. So just, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just compare the narratives, compare the pair. <laughs> right, okay. And sit there like the uh, enlightened centrist wanker that I am. <laughs> you know what? That well, is. They're both my good boys. Well, the, f- the evil side makes some good points too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It depends which hand you're on. See, that's the problem. Michael West has got to start um, a, a sports channel. I've go. been saying that to him for two years, and he's been saying it as well. And where are the results? He just keeps buying more and more investigative journalists to just be like, did you know that our tax dollars are being misspent? It's like, yeah, mm. okay, you've got six journalists working on that. Just get the guy that is obviously in the sports bureau that lacks any social skills at all and compensates by knowing what the reserve bench of the Essendon Bombers are, you know? Like I think that's... that might be Dougie. Yeah, that's Dougie. <laughs> Go, Doug! Um, Look, I'm sorry. Also, by the way, I'm sorry that uh, I didn't get to see your edit because, yeah, you do seem like a legend. And it was just... I'll be honest. I was extremely lazy. I just looked at the first one that I was like, yeah, good enough, and then I hired them. <laughs> Well, that's one way to uh, equalize the hiring process. First in, best dressed. You know what I've been thinking about recently, which sums that up pretty well? Mm. Just the idea that everyone's always saying new sources, blah, 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 blah. You're biased. No, you're biased. It's just so stupid because mm. 
The correct answer is every human being on planet Earth is biased. I hate it when somebody mm-hmm. else accuses you of being biased because it just shows that they're so stupid that they think that their their interpretation of reality is objective. It's infuriating. But I think I've been thinking about it so much recently, and it's also something else that journalists indoctrinate themselves in at university. Of I possess these extreme skills of seeing things impartial, and by impartial I mean that I write things extremely boringly, and then nobody ever fact checks it because it's too boring to read. But I think the closest thing that you can ever hope for, which is pretty damn close to neutrality, mm-hmm. indifference. <laughs> So That's what you want. The person who doesn't give a fuck. You want the person so, who doesn't give a fuck to adjudicate. So if there was a news source that didn't claim to be objective but just claimed to not give a fuck. Yeah. They would be So do you Carl Sanderlands in many ways is yeah. Probably one of the most objective uh journalists or personalities out there. I've been saying it for years. The man Clearly doesn't give a fuck. No, he cares about hanging out with celebrities and coke. He doesn't care about society at all. And in a weird way, he's therefore got no skin in the game because he's a winner either way. He's got no... The tax policy is very... If it does affect him, in a, what, his wealth will go from $100 million to $95 million. So, yeah, wow. Can he uh, adjudicate the next debate? He did, I did a video on this during the last New South Wales election. And I was comparing ABC doing their debate between Gladys Berejiklian and Michael Daly and Kyle and Jackie O's. That's right. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah that, that was very fair. Can we get Kyle Sanderlands to host Q&A? I'll actually watch it then. Yeah, that'd be sick. That would be it? great. But okay, or coming at least back bring to Daddy... back the verdict and make him... That was a good show. <laughs> I know, I like that. Wasn't it? That was fun. <laughs> so good. So, uh, so you, you really think that no, nothing like you can do to try and convince people's parents to move to other news sources. I guess they've got so much legitimacy. They've got a familiarity with certain media brands. They've probably been listening to Triple M for decades, so they know the ins and outs. They know all the presenters they may even feel like they have a personal relationship with them it would be exceedingly difficult to uh, get them to transfer over to these uh, relatively small news sources and Um, i'm telling you they are not tuning in for the news they're tuning in for the sport yeah and then maybe you got to kind of play into what they value so if their if their narrative is oh abc is woke and left wing or you know, the, the project sucks. Well, you got to say, well, actually, Triple M is super woke and Michael West is the least, the least woke. Michael West is the man telling it like it is. It's kind of true, actually. He is the least woke out of all of them. He doesn't even address those issues at all. He, he, he just talks, just about, talks tax. about taxes. Yeah, it's, very, <laughs> it's, it's not even, you can't even say it's, it's left wing because he's saying, like, this is where your tax dollars are going and this is what the government is spending on or this is how corporations are cheating the tax code mm. so mm. i mean it's not it's not doesn't seem like he's ideologically possessed either way he's just saying look they're flouting the rules i don't think anyone would really be against that if they were exposed to it and they're not because current affair never shuts up about some plumber avoiding taxes 
Yeah, it's always the little guy avoiding the tax that's a bad person, whereas the corporations, it's, which is strange, when you, very strange when you think about it. Well, it's not that strange. It's just they're funded yeah. by coals, and that's why there's an yeah. sh- episode a night about how convenient it is to live above a coals in an apartment block. <laughs> no, but also the, the viewers don't seem to care if uh, it's a corporate. I guess there's, there isn't a face to uh, a giant corporation um, dodging tax, whereas when it's the when it's the uh, unscrupulous plumber at the end of your street, you can you, yeah, I hate that face. But there is something. I, I, look, everyone always puts shit on a current affair, including myself. I'm never endlessly snarky about it, but I've matured, and I really have matured because it is 65 year olds that watch a current affair, but. Everyone's always going, oh, you're not going after the big fish. And again, I'm just as guilty of that. But dude, small fish suck as well. And I'm glad that uh, someone is making some little piece of shit electrician's life a hell that <laughs> overcharges biddies. I hate those people. They're scumbags. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah, they actually need to be held to account too. Yeah, I'm just saying like the one that you should be angry at is the 730 report because that is supposed to be the tax dodging one. That all, but all uh. they do is just fucking interview Hannah Gatsby. You know, like, right. that's the one that should attract your ire. But a current affair is doing a bang-up job. Keep the bastards honest. You, know? uh, yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> but right, look, well, I, I, yeah, we... I think that this, in a nutshell, and this is something that... They also rarely surf the net, so that's going to... Yeah, you I mean, it's, it's no, not, it, yeah. All the mainstream press is in the bag of the libs. There's no outlet otherwise. It's... Actually, really interesting. I was thinking about this a lot. That by Howard stacking the ABC board, what he's done is shift the culture permanently within the one outlet that was supposed to originally be to Michael West. It never was, but it was a lot more like that than what it is now. Now what you have is pretty much a media ecosystem that is echoing the debates that liberals have within their own cabinet. It is just a complete regurgitation of that. You just have the faction of the liberals that like sport, and that's the commercial outlets, like your 2GBs and your Channel 9s. And then you have the liberal faction that likes fucking shit plays in the opera. And that's the ABC and SBS. But really what is happening is that that, that, that is... No matter what happens in the mainstream press, those are the two factions. So there's still an illusion of disagreement there. It's just that that's the entire realm of disagreement. What is the acceptable disagreement amongst liberals is the acceptable disagreement amongst the press. Well, maybe get them on to some YouTubers then. Who are some YouTubers that would appeal to um, older Australians that love sport? That whether they Agree with my views. What's that? Agree with Michael West's views. Or not even agree, just are, like you said, indifferent. Because then that could at least be a passage to other YouTubers. There's that auto guy. There is that auto guy. It's really weird. There's this guy that's just like, um, I don't know. Pretty much this is all of his content. He's a big fan of mine. He looks almost identical to my dad, which is especially odd because my dad is not a fan. But... <laughs> <laughs> He is, he is sort of, but like every time he ever watches, he's just kind of like, that joke at 620 was pretty cringe. Okay, thanks, Dad. What about oh. the rest of the video? Yeah, sure, Roy. 
Okay. Anyway, the um, that mechanic guy, I can't remember his name, but it's pretty much just like, going to talk to you about the Turbo 1000 TX Mustang. So he's an Aussie. Yeah. And then every okay. now and then he's just like, and uh, also, you know, the government's uh, cutting up Facebook and starting to put some restrictions on it. It's pretty fucked. Anyway, let's just test this Valvoline motor oil. It's really weird. It's kind of like a Triple M, but instead of sport, it's it's cars, where it's just 99% one topic that the viewers and listeners yeah. love. Yeah. And you just sneak in a bit of politics in there. That's the way to do it. That's how you actually... That's how a lot of people's minds maybe change without them realizing. There's just over five years of watching or listening to someone. There's just some sneaky little points of inception. You definitely need that. Sort of put some little ideas into people's minds without them feeling like they're being lectured to, which is the big problem with uh, a lot of uh, uh, culturally left-wing media because it's just so obvious people are being talked to, lectured to, uh, whereas uh, if it's done subtly, it's far more effective. It's far more effective to a certain demographic. Yes, yes, I mean, yes, I should have said that. Yes. But that's the whole thing. That's why you can never do the indifferent, yes. which is 85% of the population. Your yes. parents, for instance. Yeah. So, all right. Well, there you go. Get them on to the car guy. Get on the <laughs> car guy, maybe. We don't good. know who they are. Yeah, um, but you'll know because there must be only one or two guys that have an Australian accent and a big car YouTube channel. I think I might actually... Ages ago, I might have stumbled across... Yeah, I can't remember his name though, but I'm sure someone in the comments will know who you're talking about. Um, all right, so should people obsess over sports stars? Well, whether they should or shouldn't, I think I think a more interesting question is like, why do people obsess over sports stars? They're the they're the warriors of today. They're the people going into battle and coming back victorious. They're the best soldiers of the modern age. They're like a, they're a soft version of soldiers from uh, previous eras. And that appeals to people. It especially appeals to young men, men in general. I think there's something really dystopic about sport. In what way? Well, okay, let's put it this way. No, it is dystopic, but it's something that's been around... For thousands of years, obviously. Mm. But it's that's Okay, look. If, if you 2001 Space Odyssey it, there would have been little Australopithecus tribes running at each other with bones and smacking each other over the head with that. Mm-hmm. And that would have been the exact same emotion that you feel when you're watching the Parramatta Eels versus the Sea Eagles. But it's obviously just been... Contained in some weird little astroturfed, artificial, and at this day and age, quite space agey arena. Mm. Sometimes not even with real grass. And like all of these speakers and sound effects and like hot bitches just doing like things on the side. <laughs> you know? Yeah, when you say it like that, it is uh, extraordinarily dystopian. Don't you think? Yeah. You know what I was also thinking is, is very to say. I don't know if you've heard about this Travis Scott travesty. Uh, 
he was performing at a music festival called Astro World, and and Travis Scott, apparently, part of his shtick is to uh, create an atmosphere that's extremely rowdy, and let people in, cause a ruckus. Look at me, I sound like a boomer. Oh, he always causes a ruckus, that Travis Scott. But he'll say things like, uh, "We got to let the extra people in. They they sh- they should find a way in. You know, create chaos." Mm. And a lot of his uh. Imagery and marketing is satanic. And anyway, at this music festival, there were way too many people packed in, and eight people died. Mm. There was a there was a a crowd uh, issue, and then one thing led to another, and people started trying to get out of there, panicking, and it just became became chaos. Hundreds of people injured, but yeah, eight people died. There's there's footage of people trying to. Uh, just desperately uh, begging the producers to stop the show, yelling at Travis Scott to try and stop the show, and it it almost looks like he looks at them and then and then decides not to, but that's it's unclear. But I think music concerts are extremely dystopian. Mm. Mm. I mean, there's there's thousands of people in this sort of religious fervor, mm. crying. Some of them are crying. They're having an out of body experience mm. because they're seeing a faint little person who sings about bitches at the club. Mm. I mean, that's just sad. It is, isn't it? That's, that's sad. It is. I've never understood, I've never been to a concert because I've always thought it's just... A waste of money? Uh, yeah, I, and uh. Yeah, I, li- I really like that. <laughs> People are going to laugh at this. I really liked uh, Usher. <laughs> but, and he was in he Australia. He had to have a phantom. And, you know, he's in Australia. And then I saw the tickets were like 200 bucks and I was like, oh, I would have gone if it was under 100 that was yeah. the only time I've thought about going on concert. I paid two hundred to see Seinfeld, mm. uh, but uh, as, you know, I mean, how many people street. were there? Out of curiosity, oh, like ten thousand. Okay, yeah, okay. a lot. And the cheapest ticket was two hundred. That guy is a multi-millionaire. No, he's a billionaire. Mm. Very, very rich man. But uh, yeah, celebrity obsession, sports star obsession, is a strange phenomenon. It's a, it's a relatively modern phenomenon. Although, yeah, in Roman times, they were deifying gladiators and watching those events. But do you think now the tide is almost turning? Now politicians are becoming celebrities again. People are really uh, building a sense of identity over being the number one fan or the number one supporter for a certain politician. Now, that always existed, but it seems... Far more pronounced in the age of uh, social media and this uh, burgeoning age of right-wing populism across Western democracies. People are just no. It's an old Trump. Yeah, it's an old playbook. But this is the other thing as well. Not many of them are able to execute it. Think about how many Mm. politicians there are in the world and how many of them have a cult of personality. It's it's a tiny, tiny fraction. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, though, I suppose it's the same thing with musicians and comedians. It's just Sure. It's always just that teeny little elite. Mm, they just hit some sort of nerve, and mm. I, I think with sports stars, it does give people a path to success. Uh, it teaches people discipline, teamwork, cooperation, and that's actually quite unfortunate that he thinks the stereotype rings true. Unintelligible meatheads bound by groupthink, lacking the cognition that separated Homo sapiens from Homo erectus. <laughs> That's a big call. 
And also like quite a few <laughs> steps down from Homo sapien as well. Yeah, because Homo erectus was actually, I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, Asians, so myself, probably have like a 1% to 2% Homo erectus gene and, and Europeans have about a 1% to 2% Neanderthal mm. gene. So. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> um, we, constantly, we constantly see high-profile sports stars commit heinous acts of drink-driving, racial abuse, drug-taking, listen, listening to feet. Fleetwood Mac. I always wonder if the proportion of sports stars committing these um, acts is actually greater than uh, a sample of the average population. But because the sports stars are uh, under a microscope and constantly in the media, their uh, particular heinous acts seem more pronounced. But I wonder if it's when you take into account just a random sample of 1,020-something males in Australia, I'm sure at least 50 of them would have had some sort of issue with the police or drunken incident. (laughs) Holy shit. Whereas uh, in, say, the NRL or the AFL, when overall there's probably about, oh, I don't know, actually, no, there wouldn't be a 1,000. In NRL, what is there? There's uh, a squad of, say... 30 times 20. So, look, you're looking at about 500 first-grade NRL players, and I'm sure there'd be even more AFL players because I think they've got about 22 just on the in, the in the side, and I'm sure they'd have a squad and everything. So, so you do have over 1,000 first-grade professional football players in Australia. I wonder what the actual percentage of them committing these sorts of acts are relative to the general population. I don't know. It it just I wonder if it's just it just seems more amplified because uh because of the media sensationalism surrounding it. I'm sure I mean, if you took yeah. a thousand tradies that are also in their twenties, there'd be just as much drug taking and I think you're right. And drunk driving and Yeah. And let's add this Western suburbs. Yeah, a lot of these guys have come from, especially NRL, have come from uh, lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. Not that that's an excuse to, like, beat your missus, but... It's not an excuse, but it's so much more prominent, you know? It's just, that's the way it's done there. So it makes so much sense. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, yeah. you know what, actually? They're probably comparatively saints. Not an excuse, but they're probably... A lot better than the sample size. Like, come on. Maybe. They're a bunch of Samoans from Project Flats. Like, they're going to beat their wives. But if you go to, like, the NRL. Right, you said it. I didn't say it. Yeah, well, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm not saying you should be doing that. But, you know, like, come on. They're not fucking from Knox. <laughs> you know? But even then, in rugby, they're also, you know what? In, in, the, in the richer sports, there's more drug taking. Yeah, and then uh, that makes sense too. Having said that, there was a recent thing with Collingwood. There's all this racial abuse that came out. But then I always wonder when they say, "Oh, there's a, there's a racial abuse scandal," it very rarely comes out what the person actually said. And I wonder if what they said was actually that bad. But or if in this in today's climate, uh, we're over policing something like that. Having said that, I think the arts is very different to sport. And I'm sure when uh, there's an allegation of racial abuse in sport, it's probably very real. <laughs> Whereas when there's an a- allegation of racial abuse in the arts, it's something extraordinarily tame. 
Yeah. It's it's, it's hardly abuse, usually. Um, Damn, dude, you're question. right. Like, Source of enjoyment. Do in you fact, think sports I, should be idolized? Well, Look the way that you're painting the picture, maybe, because this is something that I think this is the whole thing. It's always, as you're saying, some snob from the Sydney Morning Herald saying stuff like, Oh my God, I can't believe on Mad Monday they got rowdy. Yeah. Of course they fucking would. What do you want them to do? Yeah, what, Look like, at them. They're not you. Why don't we get a camera at the Sydney Morning Herald Christmas party? Mm. Yeah, I'm sure there'd be a few getting rowdy there. Mm. I'm sure mm. there'd be cocaine. Well, I don't think rowdy, but there'd be coke. I think there'd be rowdiness. You reckon there'd be rowdy? Yeah. They're fucking so It's boring, Australia. Though. Nine. Okay, at nine. At nine. Be. Yeah, at triple M. They'd get rowdy. I can't imagine that, you know. And, and, and not only that, these are uh, high testosterone, aggressive athletes. They're football players. They're already, I'm guessing, in the top 10% of ag- aggressive males. Mm-hmm. Again, mm. not an excuse, but look, they've come from often uh, lower socioeconomic backgrounds. They're already beasts by nature, and then they're incentivized to become more of a beast because that's their pay packet is directly proportional to how much of a beast they are every weekend. Look, see my go and watch my stand-up joke about this, uh, and they might be twenty twenty-one, and they're making half a million dollars a year. Mm. I mean, you're putting you're putting these people in a very unique circumstance. It's so weird now that I think about it. Being like, you should be better. They're modern day gladiators. What do you want from them? Yeah, I don't think we should be trying to get our uh, source of morality or philosophy from uh, football players. Having said that, I really do think I, I think a lot of the, the stereotype is actually a bit unfair. I do think, I yeah, okay. Look, they're not necessarily the most eloquent. But their mind works in different ways. It's a different sort of intelligence. So something like martial arts, obviously very different to football, but it's all pattern recognition. It's If they had just grown up with... Uh, if a famous boxer had just grown up with uh, Asian parents instead of hood parents, they would probably be a genius mathematician. Mm. That's the way your mind has to work when you're doing martial arts. Now, again, probably different to foot. Look, being a prop forward... In the NRL, you do just have to run really you're hard. You're battering really. Yeah, you're, not, you're probably not having to um, showcase a lot of intellect. But look, <laughs> if, if you're the halfback or the hooker, you are planning. You, you're sort of you're, you're the general. You're controlling the team. You're sort of reading the game. And I don't know, in AFL, if there's that sort of a general, it, it seems to be that the roles there, when I watch it, it, it's just a bit more even. Everyone plays a part. There's very, you know, no one in AFL runs the whole field and kicks a goal. It's a, it's a very much a team sport, whereas NRL obviously still a team sport, but there are m- many more moments of individual brilliance. Stardom, yeah. Yeah. But look, they're going to be idolized regardless. Should they be idolized? Yeah, probably not as much as they currently are. But then I think you have to ask the question, why are they so idolized? Why do young kids, uh, particularly from uh, certain demographics, look up to sports stars and not look up to, I don't know, thinkers. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, why not? That's weird. I mean... Why? Cultural difference. You look at 
people who maybe do express that, that's something ah oh, every fucking podcast but look i went to a jordan peterson show when he came here and <laughs> there were clearly people from there were a lot of people from the the working class yeah and but they were like tradies working class right yeah, they yeah, weren't okay they probably weren't i don't know they weren't like one four listeners or whatever the fuck they're called those man drew it rappers they're tradies too, aren't they? Are they? they might, yeah, I actually, thought they were just no, creams. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's another reason that you should be looking up to sports stars from that demographic. Because let's be honest, like a lot of those people, if they weren't in footy, they would be in jail. Isn't that what Spaniards always saying? He's like, Probably. man, I was mad good at footy. I should have just focused on that shit. Yeah, look, uh, you do have to wonder whether the environment uh, influences the sports star obsession. Well, it definitely does, but that's really weird that you're pointing that out. Like, why why are the lower out. classes obsessed with sport? I don't in Australia everyone is. I don't think it's just the But it's a it's actually quite a common Okay, for instance, like all right, you know, Peter Singer, right? How many people even know that guy? Fuck all. Whereas everyone knows Steve Smith. Yeah. And what a common name as well. Steve Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, that is the most Aussie name. <laughs> that's, the most gener- that's such a most generic, generic Australian a name. Generic white name, if ever I heard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Two first names. It's either John Smith or Steve Smith. No, it's, I honestly think Steve Smith is more generic yeah. than John Smith. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And credit to him, he became, he's what, probably the best batsman in the world. Um, but dude, look, the thing is, uh, all right, sports stars might, might be meatheads, but you, look, intellect isn't the only measure of a person's character. It's also about their their discipline, uh, their uh, ability to stick to a goal, uh, delayed gratitude, things like that. These are all things you have to partake in if you want to be a successful sports person. I mean, there's a few who are just so talented that even though they do party all the time, they still do it professionally and that become ben famous. That Barber guy? Well, yeah, he's a... Is he a good example? Well, he's now fallen from grace quite uh, dramatically. Well, what happened to him? Uh, yeah, this dom- is, this domestic, is my... domestic violence, yeah. So he's like... The casebook example of what we're talking about. Well, he's one who, yeah, his career was uh, cut short because he committed some domestic violence, and then and now he, I'm pretty sure he just works in the mines, which is really yeah. That's sad in a way that because he had a professional career for ten years and clearly didn't say a lot of them don't really save money, even if they're on six hundred thousand dollars a year, and you don't you, look, you just save a hundred thousand of that, and you'll be fine. <laughs> but <laughs> It's, uh, it's sad. And it's really sad. Uh, yeah, there, look, drugs are rampant in anywhere where there's money and fame and stardom. It's, uh, but there are a few sports stars that clearly embody better, a, a much more virtuous character. The sort of sports stars where uh, grandparents would, would say, oh, he's a nice fellow. Those are the sort of sports stars kids should be looking up to. Gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen. Yeah, the gentleman. Yeah, the gentleman gladiator. Yeah, it was to everyone loved Steve Smith till the uh, sandpaper thing. But that, look, that was mainly David. Warner. By all accounts, that was mainly David Warner. Now I know Steve Smith was the superior, he's the captain. So he, look, the 
has to go down with the shit. Yeah, he has to. And credit to him, he, he did take responsibility. And now I think most people have forgiven him, whereas David Warner, people are like, yeah, still a bit... Uh, and David Warner did grow up in a housing commission in um, in Coogee, I think, or around the eastern suburbs area. The hood eastern suburbs, not the fancy like the eastern Ruber suburbs. Or something. And Steve Smith grew up in, in Menai, down in the Shire. Damn, I might have played him in that. No, he would have been two or three years ahead of me. And apparently he was so good when he was in year nine, he just was playing for the, like with all the year 12s and making centuries. He was just a freak. Jesus Christ. Uh, but Born to rule. I think he'd be, a, he's a fantastic role model because, look, he endured uh, the, the year off and he took responsibility for the mistakes he made and for the uh, blind eye that he turned to what David Warner was doing. And he's now come back and is, I think, averaging more than he ever did. So I think that is a testament to his character. Uh, there are other cricketers that I think are really good role models. Uh, but... Well, it's got its own phrase, right? Like, it's just not cricket means that it's not the exemplary example of chivalry, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Cricket really is... Cricket's the... the like, it's not NRL. Yeah, yeah. They're very different. There's, there's a different <laughs> culture. Is... Having said that, Shane Warne definitely brought... Come full yeah, circle. Yeah, he yeah, definitely yeah. brought a bit of that footy mentality. You can take the boy out of the country. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, was certainly a footy player in the cricket team. That was, I think, the most glorious was worldwide fame. <laughs> worldwide fame. It's just, I mean, I'd they'd be so high in testosterone. The football players, especially the NRL players. I mean, not that again, not that that's an excuse, but you're then more likely to do wild aggressive things and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about criminal acts but i'm talking about well yeah i'm talking about minor criminal acts like uh getting drunk into what did nate miles do took a shit in a hotel room i mean that's just a funny story i feel like if you were talking to someone in their 30s and they were maybe uh uh sharing some tales of the uh escapades they uh uh had in their 20s and they said oh once i was so drunk i got locked out of my hotel room so i had to take a shit you'd just laugh at that and you wouldn't really think oh this is a bad human being no Christ but no. because he's a professional football player there's a microscope on him and the journalists are uh, following their every move so he's now tarnished as a as a terrible person and it does beg the question well, why is it that Israel Folau has been permanently banned when he quoted a Bible verse and sort of doubled down on that? Now, look, he did break his contract. Whereas someone like Matt Lodge, who terrorized a couple in New York and threatened to kill one of them while he was on, I don't know if he was coked out or he was definitely on some drugs, and still has a, I don't know whether there's a civil case ongoing, but there was definitely an expected civil payout. He's been welcomed back into the game. It does seem like there's a strange standard where uh, someone who expresses a view that's uh, widely held by a lot of people, it's maybe not the uh, uh, cultural view that uh, large sport organizations want to um, stick by nowadays, but it is, it's just a very bizarre, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bizarre phenomenon that um, people who have committed brutally violent 
acts have been welcomed back, at least into the NRL. Uh, I don't know what it's like in the AFL. Whereas uh, other people who have just made comments are not. It, it, it does seem strange. Yeah, because it's the views of the upper class. When it came to Israel Folau, it was because the CEO of Qantas was just like, no, I put a gay flag up on one of my planes. I'm not having that. Mm. And so he just clamped down on whatever that league is called. I can't even remember the, the, the board. And then the board said, withdraw your comments. And he said no. And so they just got rid of him. So, but when it comes to violence, that's not one of their concerns. It's not their current... Strange. Pet ethic that they have at the moment. Very strange. I, I, it'd be very hard to sort of measure the potential damage done by comments. Uh, but hate speech is extreme, extraordinarily subjective. You could make the argument, maybe, and I'm not saying I agree with this, that uh, Israel's comments hurt uh, potentially hundreds of thousands of people, even if it may have just been a small amount, whereas a person who's committed a violent act has just hurt one person. So if you're taking the totality of how much hurt was caused to society, maybe the comments were worse, but that's a that's a stretch. Uh, that I'm just trying to think about the best possible argument to make in favour of this weird, weird phenomenon where, yeah, people who have committed brazenly violent acts are just welcomed back with open arms, I always think people should be forgiven if they're willing to atone for what they've done. And if it truly was, it's hard to say that something like, you know, bashing someone half to death was a mistake. But uh, if you've done the time and you are truly remorseful for what you've done, people should be forgiven. So weird, weird. But I guess I coming like, back to the... Yeah, yeah go it's on. just look, okay. They shouldn't be revered, ideally, ideally. They shouldn't be revered by anyone, but they should also allow be allowed to be brutes and monsters. That's what I want out of a footy player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird that we're holding them to such a high standard of morality. Now again, when and it comes also, to, you know when what else like when it comes criminal to criminal like, acts, yeah, of course. You, you throw the book yeah, at them. You go to jail, but you shouldn't this strange phenomenon it's, it's, it's the elitism again of it it's it's the fact that because when you were saying the shit thing right hmm. i remembered that and i remember the press chastising him how dare he do this hmm. and it is all because apart from the telegraph you know and you see the morning heralds and your guardians and all that they don't like sport they like the arts and so, and I can guarantee you this, if a rock star did that, which is also behavior that you would expect from rock stars, mm. but they're the arty types as opposed to the sporty types, and they, they did a shit in the they... hallway, I bet you it would be laughed off and it would just be like, oh, that's mm. just Mick Jagger, you know? That's a good point. But it's just because they hate sport. And so they're always looking for excuses to demonize them because they personally don't understand it. They didn't grow up in that culture. It's the same with me. I mean, I was closer to that culture, I suppose. But I just, for some reason, my dad didn't like any sport except boxing. And so when it came to footy and all that kind of stuff, I never got it. But like I, I, the, the idea of looking up to sports stars is just very foreign to me. I just, I can't understand it personally. It's just about, uh, yeah, what sort of culture you grow up in. I mean, I remember idolizing a few of the uh, cricket players when I was a kid. 
I liked Damien Martin. It was a weird one for, for whatever reason. I really liked that guy. Do you think that this is what it is? It's rugby union is the upper class. Cricket is the middle class. Rugby league is the lower class. I mean, in New South Wales and Queensland, about that. Yeah, but cricket's just everyone. Cricket's everyone? Yeah, yeah. But there probably isn't as much obsession over cricket as there is over... I think AFL is probably Australia's most obsessed about sport. When you go yeah. down to uh, Victoria and, and SA and WA, they, they love AFL, whereas... And that one really transposes classes because you, you'll see yeah, yeah. people in fucking Frankston going nuts about it and you'll also see Waleed Ali with a scarf on. Yeah, they... And that's pathetic as well, the fact that they never <laughs> wear the, a scarf. For fuck's sake, I mean, come on. <laughs> Um, but to look, (laughs) to answer the question, I think certain sports stars, if they are idolized, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And because sport makes so much money, there always will be, uh, some level of idolization that occurs. And I mean, look, Donald Bradman is quite literally an Australian hero and he, is a symbol of uh, resilience throughout the depression, and by all accounts, he was just—he had a fantastic character. He was a great man. So there are instances where uh, sports stars can basically be like artists. They can provide entertainment. They can provide a a story, theater, the feeling of winning. And then I think it's on the individual to be able to separate that enough from their own personal life and say, look, I, I can obsess over this team some for some duration throughout the year, but I can't make it the entirety of my identity. Hmm. So, yes or no? That's my answer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a clear answer there. <laughs> I think it always will happen. And if you chastise people for obsessing over sports stars, it's not going to make them. They're just going to think, oh, you're an elitist cunt. If if you sort of say, I can't believe you, you know, look up to a football player, people will say, well, fuck you. I, I do. Mm. You know. And they sort of, they do embody what, uh, they embody the, the uh, best version of certain values that many people or uh, looking to master, possibly. Uh, you know what? Physical prowess and uh, camaraderie, and victory. You know what else it is, though? Fuck, I can't believe I didn't even think about this. Um, the reason places like Mount Druitt and Penrith look up to these sports stars. Mm-hmm. And how they're always saying that you shouldn't be looking up to those sports stars. Well, give them another out. Because if you're from Penrith or Mount Druitt, I can almost guarantee you that the most successful alumni from your high school would have ended up in the Penrith Panthers or if they really lucked out, the Chookies. Mm. You know? Like they wouldn't have any Nobel-winning scientists or broadcasters or mm. they'd have nothing. They, they would have a footy player. That would yeah. have been the, so that is the pinnacle of success 
if you're from the deep west. And again, it's just it's it's either that or it, in an ideal world, sure they could be aiming to become a Nobel Prize laureate. But uh, what is the opportunity cost of them not obsessing over sports stars, obsessing over the local drug dealer? So. Yeah, that's all they've got. Mm. If you're from the Western suburbs, those are your options. Drug dealer, tradie, footy player. Oh, look, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you can still... You can rap. You can... <laughs> you can get on YouTube. You can get on TikTok. It's not that different in the Eastern suburbs. Your options there, I think, are marketing or have a rich dad. You know what? Comedy is actually... is. Chock a block with uh, people. Not I don't know if they're the financial elites, but there's not many people from public schools in um, Australian comedy, even now in Australian internet comedy. Really? I don't think so. I don't know all of their backgrounds, but uh, from some sort of some simple research that I've done, yeah, there's not many. Again, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't. Mean it just because there may, might be a, a a lack of a certain group in a certain industry doesn't mean that some sort of there are some invisible barriers. No, but, but it also shows their values. Yes, that's that's true. That's true. All right. Well, we got to get on to this last part of this question. Um, I've got Tissom here on Wikipedia. I've never even heard of these people. Did you know that this is serious, Mum? Mm. And uh, I do really like. The you can tell they're a clever band from the fact that their name is Tism, exactly. and it stands for This Is Serious Mum. So This Is Serious Mum were a seven-piece anonymous alternative rock band from Melbourne. Yeah, I would definitely have not known who they were. Uh, the group was formed on 30th December 1982 by vocalist, drummer Humphrey B. Florbert, bassist uh, slash vocalist Jock Cheese, and keyboard keyboardist slash vocalist Eugene de la Hot Ban. That's fucking sick. Eugene de la Hot Ban. And enjoyed a large underground slash independent following. Their third album, Machiavelli and the Four Seasons, reached the Australian National Top Ten in 1995. Okay, so there are. Uh, there are Dad's Band, but because they're a bit indie. Sounds like people in our generation might. So what do you know of them? I know uh, pretty much because every every now and then some article gets written up by me, some music blog that goes, oh, yeah, he's like Tism if they talked. And I think that that actually is a oh. fairly good indication of the space that I inhabit, I suppose. Well, it's like what we were talking about before... Uh, I think it was last podcast that if you wanted to be rebellious and edgy in yeah. the 90s, you you became a rapper or you became a rock star, right? That's right. And now you start up a podcast and you start talking. And mm. I think that that was the case back then, that the only outlet where you could be satirical and subversive was through music. And so they obviously did that. And you know what else is so beautiful about that headline? Remember also how we were talking last week about the fact that there's always this 
in all of that, I, I, I don't know, because like I was sort of into rap. I think it's kind of hitting a same similar thing, but new metal was definitely hitting that. Every new metal song, pretty much, the underlying message was, fuck you, mum. <laughs> it was okay. definitely it. Did it was... they have a political ethos or were they just a symbol of rebellion? It's a symbol of re- it's just that it's what we were talking about. There's it's angry, angry young men, and who are all angry young men angry at? Their mums, and I think, and also because they're sort of aiming okay. at young young men. They're aiming at twelve year olds. Yeah, Lincoln okay. Park, okay. Limp Biscuit. They're aiming at. Sorry, just as a little side note as well, Limp Biscuit just released a new album, and nah, I'm not, not into the it same. because. No, this is the thing. Their previous album, Fred Durst had grey hair. He had a dad body. He was yeah. fat and he was still making the same music he was in 2001. And I think that was good because it was what they've done now, which is self-aware, and they've made it like ah. Limp Biscuit sucks and that he's put on like a fake grey beard and made a song called Dad Vibes. And... So he's obviously just pointing out we've passed our prime, but we're self-aware about it. But no, I think you should do the ACDC route. This is just a message to all bands. Just know this. Just know this. You're in a band and you're successful. I think Sticky Fingers is getting to that point. No offense, boys, because I love you. You're from my school and stuff. But there will become a point where you're no longer going to be cool. Right? Like you just, especially in music, music fleets mm. like that. And Didn't so. Didn't they break up, Sticky Fingers? They're back, which is always the sign that you're on. Yeah, the, okay. You're getting into that next phase. I think then what happens is usually there's just this long plateau and you become a joke. It happens to everyone. Like, look, yeah, Metallica in the 80s was cool. Metallica in the 90s was, yeah, still there. And then the 2000s joke. And now it's kind of just. But now. Yeah. They're. You get into that like timeless phase of ACDC, but ACDC did it right. They had a moment where, how fucking amazing is this? They were thinking, oh no, rock and roll's on the way out. How? Oh, what are we going to do? All right, let's release a disco album. Aren't they Aussie? <laughs> Why do they have an English accent? Because one of them's Scottish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I put on an English accent. <laughs> Averages out, right? <laughs> I think it was I was supposed to be doing their manager with the ponytail in the 80s, right? Because okay. he was just going, man, don't you effing dare put out a disco album. You'll ruin it, mate. 30 years down the track, look who was right. The guy in the ponytail. Ah, uh, yep. Don't you think? Okay. Just make the same album over and over again relentlessly okay don't do the whole like oh we suck right it's a last hurrah but sorry back to tism that's what i like about it that this is serious mum and also the fact that they're calling it tism nice little wink and a nod that's nice tism were distinguished from other joke or gimmick bands by among other things their musical style the band rarely in any seriousness stated actual influences on the type of music they played except that the residents were a band which tism did notice and possibly it took some influence from... Well, we maybe took a bit of influence from these guys. Uh, a clear link can be drawn from the residents' the third Reich and Roll video in which that band were wore Ku Klux Klan uniforms made of newspaper. Tism did... Wow, they were the original uh, provocateurs, hey. Well, not the original. Well, they were their generation's version of provocateurs. 
Uh, Tism did exactly this at their first gig. Another link may be drawn to early Tism tracks, the ballad of the Semitic Nazi. <laughs> I'm going to treat you to a Nietzsche double feature. Nietzsche double feature, which used a similar naming convention to the residents' other bands, which may have influenced Tism are difficult to pinpoint, although a Sydney Morning Herald article on the band described them as a cross between Skyhooks, Dave Warner, Talking Heads, and the residents. The band were criticised as unoriginal for continually opting for standard pop song structures. One reason for this is clarified in their book. They've got a book, The Tism Guide to Little Aesthetics, the following paragraphs. All right, well, yeah. Well, okay. The other thing about them is, even though they could have been a successful band that toured, they all decided to keep their day jobs. I think a few of them were teachers. I don't know what the rest of them did. Probably one of them was a tradie or something. He's got a song called I Might Be a Cunt, But I'm Not a Fucking Cunt. (laughs) (laughs) 2004 was their last release. Okay. Everyone else has had more sex than me. That was their last. And it peaked at 63 in Germany on the chart. (laughs) But they were... um... They seem to have created their own little movement in Australia, mm. which is such a massive accomplishment for the day because they weren't going for that sort of grungy, I'm taking my... Obviously, right? Like, this is serious, mum. They're not taking themselves seriously and they never were. Are they like Antwood of the 80s? I don't know anything about music, clearly. I'm just looking at their aesthetic... I'm looking at some images. Yeah, that's the first time I've actually seen them. That is pretty scary. It's scarier than DeAntwood, and DeAntwood has a midget. That's not scary. Have you seen the midget in DeAntwood? Let me look up. Look it up. I have to look up DeAntwood midget. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't laugh, but (laughs) okay. That's... Freaks me out. I'm not laughing at, I'm laughing at me uh, aesthetic. Yeah, it's the aesthetic of it. It's, 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 man, ah no. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Wait, is that the? I just found. A I think so. Oh shit! What are they doing these days? No, got to keep on topic. Tism. Um, anything left? Because I got nothing to say. I've never heard of them, but. Uh, what you want, you're is, not going to do a 37-minute feature-length premiere on the band's rise to stardom, so... No, I shouldn't, but... I mean, I won't, but I should, is my answer to that, because... Interview them. That would be a good move. In fact, now that we're on the message, uh, this is something that we were thinking about a while ago, and this is, again just to get a nice gauge from the audience because I'm sure that they're sick of us talking about the craft. But how would you like it if Neil and I did podcasts where we discuss nothing but the craft with a bunch of comedians that only Neil and I would know from the 90s? Because that is something that I think I and Neil would personally benefit from. And you're welcome along from the ride. Yeah, we can do one or two. And, and I want to see. Every 10 or 12 podcasts, if we do one of those, I'm sure I'm sure they'll be fine. Couldn't hurt. I'm sure they can choose to not listen to one that they know they might not like. 
it's just an endless question because it's such a, as you've obviously noted from this podcast, humor is such a it's YouTube slime. Goes through your fingers. You thought you've got it and then, oh, no, there's a little gap there. It's a constant struggle because you never, Will Anderson was saying this actually, he was saying that you will never ever be satisfied with what you have produced in it because, yeah, it's just, it's such a murky subject. And so whenever I can find someone that can just define another aspect of it, I want to hear their opinion. At the moment, I'm currently... Do you know who Stuart Lee is? Yeah, I think so. Wait, um, the British... The British Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I know. Yeah. He wrote a book about it, but at the moment, it's just going through the really boring part of all of them of like, what childhood wound did you have? But apparently at some point, he starts talking about studies into it. Um. But he's obviously done the same thing. He's gone down that path. But anyway... I'm curious about that. And I think it is because the more that I think about it, it's it's the closest that this is what Freud was saying as well. It's the closest link that we have to the unconscious mind while being awake. That's what's happening there. That's why I find the subject endlessly fascinating, I think. I, I really I do think that it's not just because it's my job. I really like the way people can synthesize unrelated ideas into a joke and elicit a response that we call laughter. I mean, not many other animals laugh. Mm. In many ways, it's uniquely human. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. But for this one, we'll wrap, we'll wrap this one up for Dougie. So, regards to the Inferno from Tarantulas, the beat, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> And he wants a 7XL Bruz shirt. So if you got that for him. Yeah, well, limited stock, guys. Going once, going twice. Oh, yeah. Are you still? You can't sell that merchandise anymore, can you? Once he retires, which is in February. Didn't he quit? He quit being Deputy Premier. He didn't quit being the member for Monaro. Ah, smart. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh... Well, who's the new deputy? Pool tool. Okay. I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, videos made about him. Thank you, Dougie. If you'd like to send in a topic, neilcohacker.com slash podcast. We also have questions, shout-outs available. All the money goes to charity. Uh, if you want to support the podcast and get a bit of CBD oil, come to our shows, crushorganics.com. Use the code Neil, 40% off. Uh, come see me in Melbourne, December 5th. Only doing one show, it's going to sell out, so get on to that. Comics Lounge website, there'll also be shows Jordan is doing down there at, uh, I'm pretty sure, around about the same time. We'd love to see you there. Thanks for listening. See you next time.